Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective, featuring the friars from St. Patrick Church in Columbus. And now, Dominican Dimensions. Welcome to the Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today I'm joined in the studio by my confrere, Father Raymond Snyder. Let's begin with a prayer to Our Lady. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Today we're going to speak about the salvation of souls, especially the salvation of other people's souls. Uh, one of the reasons that the Dominican order, the order of preachers was founded, was for preaching for the salvation of souls. And, and, but many people worry about the salvation of other people's souls, the souls of their children, or their brothers, or their sisters, or their friends, or their uncles, or their aunts, or even their parents, or their grandparents. And so we're going to speak today about what can we do to help our neighbor on the way to salvation Father Raymond, you, you, I believe you recently taught a course about this, right? Well, I suppose that could be the way to summarize the whole course, because it was a course on apologetics and evangelization, and ultimately, when we evangelize, we are concerned for the soul of another. It's, mm-hmm. it's not just that Jesus told us to go evangelize, it's also out of charity that we wish mm-hmm. to share what we have received, mm-hmm. and, and we do so for the salvation of souls. Mm-hmm. So, many people... Can, can fall into a, a slight error. Uh, of course, when we're working on the salvation of our own soul, we have a great deal of initiative that we should be able to take. And we kind of perceive that. We know that, you know, if I'm going to follow the Lord, you know, a fair amount of that depends on what I decide to do, you know, and that gives me a certain amount of influence over my own path to salvation. But then what about if I'm concerned about someone else? What if I think that, well, if I, if I did pretty well in working on my own prayer life or my own moral life, when I'm starting to get things into shape and pulling, you know, the loose ends together, uh, why can't I do that for someone else? That's right. And I think this is where it helps to know just a little bit of the language of the theology of grace, mm-hmm. because ultimately salvation is from the Lord, right? Uh, and even merit, when we talk about merit, this is really where we're, where we're going and, and what we can do for others. And it's important to know that it's by the merits of Christ that any of us is saved, and we receive a share in those merits by being joined to the person of Christ in our baptism, first and foremost, and then throughout our participation in the sacraments and our, our good works, our acts of faith, hope, and charity, our ways of continuing to merit in Christ, of receiving his grace, but also meriting in Christ. Uh, we can add that, so to speak, on top. So uh, ultimately, any work uh, that is effective for salvation is rooted in God's action, uh, first and foremost. Mm. Nonetheless, once we are in a state of grace, we're capable of meriting further graces, merit not in a strict sense that Mm -hmm. uh, we really deserve this and just out of justice God gives it to us, but in his good pleasure as his adopted sons and daughters, we can merit further graces. Mm -hmm. So that actually is called 
condign merit, or it's, in other words, a merit that's a kind of justice, uh, a kind of special theological justice, uh, we could say. It's complicated when we're talking about God's causality and, and human freedom, but we do have these different categories, and the language is useful because it points out that category that otherwise we wouldn't be able to talk about. Now, when it comes to other people, this is at the level of what we call congruous merit, when we want to, so to speak, share our merits with others. Um, those familiar with the Louis de Montfort consecration know that part of it is we surrender our merits to the Blessed Virgin to distribute, so to speak, mm, as right. she sees fit. Well, you don't need to do the St. Louis de Montfort consecration necessarily to, to develop an attitude of sharing your merits or meriting for others. And basically how that works is God, out of, so to speak, recognition of the friendship we have with another person or our desire to help them, he, so to speak, can um, apply some of the our merits to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, whenever we're dealing with the infinite God, we know there's no short supply. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we don't need to think of this in terms of an economic model where there's only so much to go around, right? right? There's, there's infinite graces available to us through the human nature of Christ, flowing through the human nature of Christ. Um, but it's, it's important to think that, that we actually can do something for our neighbor's salvation mm-hmm. and to, you know, have an awareness of that and a habit of, uh, of really surrendering those merits for the good of others. Hmm. Right. So, 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 uh, congruous merit, um, asking the Lord to, to, uh, take what we're doing and, and, and use these to the, these, these things that we do to assist other people. Um, now I, I know, uh, another way to, to think about, um, working for the salvation of others is, is, is maybe as, as a mean between two extremes. Um, on the one hand, we might say proselytism, trying to uh, basically do the work of someone else's salvation ourselves, or, or taking the full responsibility for someone else's salvation, say of a daughter or a son or a grandchild. Um, and expecting it to happen with the right ingredients of, right. of words and action. If I do the right thing, then they'll convert. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and if and 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 the, and the the converse of that, if if they're not converting, then I must not I must be doing something wrong, you know. If the chocolate chip cookie isn't coming out, as a, I must have forgotten to put in the chocolate chips, you know. And if I just add the chocolate chips, then, you know, we'll get the right. We'll You're making me right hungry thing. for, for a chocolate chip novena. <laughs> <laughs> the, then the other extreme would be kind of indifferentism, you know, where we say, well, you know, God you know, God's going to do what God's going to do. You know, who am I to sort of intervene? You know, like I'll just let, you know, this person's, you know, providential path work it out all by itself. You know, why should I, why should I get involved after all anyway? Exactly. Those are, those are really the two, the two bumpers on the extremes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the two bumpers, on, you know, the, the two gutters in the bowling alley. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> Exactly. Better yet. Better said the two gutters. You don't want to be stuck <laughs> in those. Yeah. So, so, so what does it look like to try to go between those two extremes? Well, I think it, it's important to recognize these are things that, uh, the things we can suggest in, that, that go square down the middle, <laughs> mm-hmm. to continue the image, are things that are very familiar to us as Catholics. The, the role of intercessory prayer, which mm-hmm. is more or less connected to congruous merit. It just 
merits a bigger concept than just prayer. But we know, for example, every Sunday Mass we go to, we have the intercessions, Mm -hmm. and we pray for for everybody at some level, or for a wide swath of humanity, for for the world, the Church, those in particular need, the poor, bishops, priests. Um, And we are making intercessory prayer together, and we know the Gospel promises, our Lord promises in the Gospel that Prayer joined together, especially in, in a liturgical way like that, is efficacious. It works, even if it seems so broad and and general. Um, but that prayer works. Uh, it, it does things. Um, you know, we think there's so many terrible things in the world. Um, imagine the world without prayer. You know? right, right, <laughs> imagine right. the world without all those monasteries of yes. nuns and monks interceding for it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we, we can't imagine. You know, what the right. world would be without prayer. Um, some, some other things, though, I mean, it's, uh, I, I actually saw one of these Catholic t-shirts um, uh, just the other day that had the famous quote of St. Francis, or at least one attributed to him, that preach the gospel when necessary, and in this case, the shirt said, use shirts. <laughs> I thought, that, that's some humor I can get behind there. Um, but we know that famous phrase of St. Francis is actually, preach the gospel when necessary, uh, use words, implying that principally through our actions we convey the faith. Um, mm. Now, that's not exactly a Dominican motto, but I, I don't think it's opposed. Uh, right. And we know that for every word we utter from the pulpit, uh, there's a whole life um, mm. that stands behind it, we hope. That is the, well, that's why our uh, there's more to Dominican life than homiletic strategies. Um, right. There's principally, and perhaps most significantly, the divine office. We're praying constantly in the, in the name of Christ um, mm-hmm. to the Father to gather together for the world. Uh, in imitation of St. Dominic, who even kept well, stayed up all night long um, mm, right. asking the Lord what will become of sinners. And, mm-hmm. and really, he shows us that model of holding sinners in his heart. Um, and I think... That's one way to summarize a lot of these things. We want to have a cultivate a zeal for souls, hmm. and that will spill out spontaneously in all sorts of actions and words. We hope, you know. Hmm. And the, if the Lord wants us to do something for someone, He'll make it clear, provided we spend enough time talking to Him every day. Right. Um, right. You know, it's a bit like the GPS thing, where uh, or with your Google Maps, whatever hmm. map app you use. Um, so it just gives you the next direction when you have it in a certain view. It's not all the directions at once. Right. And, and that's a bit like our relationship with the Lord. He gives us the next direction. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even that's a little unclear, like when, when it's loading, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. right. You're listening to The Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today I'm joined in the studio by my confrere father, Raymond Snyder, and we've been discussing the salvation of other people. What can we do and what can we not do um, to, to, to work for the salvation of other souls? And we were just speaking about how uh, we need to walk a line between two extremes, or we might say two gutters in, in the bowling alley. You know, on the one side, a proselytism approach where we try to take all of the responsibility for another person's salvation on our own soul, shoulders, and if it isn't working, we assume it's something that we're doing wrong. Another, The other extreme would be sort of uh, an indifferentism, not, not thinking that we need or should or can take any meaningful action, 
you know, toward another person's salvation. And we were just speaking about interceding, interceding for others, having um, a zeal for souls in our own heart, like St. Dominic did and like many of the saints, how God can, can use the merit uh, in his own, of course, goodness, not that he needs our help, to, to, to help influence the salvation of others. Let's talk for a little bit about like how that works. Um, how is it that um, someone at the same time can, can have the freedom you know, to pursue the direction of their desire in life, whether that leads toward God or, 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 or elsewhere, and at the same time, God can be influencing them or, or we can be helping them or a saint can be interceding for them? How does that work? It's a really interesting question because it gets us thinking philosophically uh, in addition to theologically because we need to think about human agency and freedom and all of that. But at the risk, um, I should say, to avoid getting too complicated, um, we should recognize that when, when you and I, when we choose um, God, or, or let's say a hardened sinner, when they are converted, it is by the grace of God. Now, mm-hmm. they need to accept, of course, the grace given them. Mm-hmm. But God, so to speak, takes that very first step in even allowing them to respond. So mm-hmm. there's this extra, so to speak, grace given in those moments of conversion from serious sin mm-hmm. a, called an, an operative grace, that, that it's God giving them the grace even to accept his grace. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Added to that, there are these other meritorious types uh, of grace we could talk about. But the main point there is that that it requires God's action to convert. You know? mm, right. Nonetheless, the rejection of God is all on the side of the human agent. And this mm. is where we know some Protestant traditions of predestination have, have gotten things wrong in, mm-hmm. in perhaps thinking, well, God predestines people to damnation uh, in this strong, hard sense. Um, mm-hmm. um, but we know that if someone rejects God, that's on them, right? Mm-hmm. If someone accepts God, that's him and them together, whole, 100%, 100%. Right. And I think if we keep that in mind, it can help us answer some other questions about how we can influence. So if we pray for someone for years and they mm-hmm. don't convert, um, well, you know, at some level, they are they are radically free, and mm-hmm. they could be resisting many graces, even some that perhaps perhaps we've merited for them. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't um, we shouldn't wear that as some kind of failure. Mm. Nonetheless, we should be encouraged in our prayers again and again because we have the witness of so many saints who prayed for years, like Saint Monica. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite places to visit in Rome is Saint Monica's tomb at the mm-hmm. Church of Sant'Agostino um, near Piazza Navona. And you go there and you pray and you just think of, of how important this woman was for the history of the church. Mm-hmm. Because in bringing her son back to God, she, she gave the church effectively. Uh, it's through her participation. She gave the church, uh, both as mother and also intercessor, one of the church's most important theologians um, mm-hmm. uh, and spiritual writers, um, you could even say, of Western civilization altogether. Right. Um, so I like to think about how... Of course, God is the primary agent when it comes to salvation. Nonetheless, the he, and St. Thomas says this beautifully, almost poetically, in the, the first part of the Summa, he says that God so delights in sharing goodness with things, with his creatures, that he even bestows 
on creatures the dignity of causality, that is, of being mm. the cause of goodness in others. Mm. That's kind of what we're talking about here, that right. by our prayers we hope, at some level, of course, in couched within God's own power, divine power, to be causes of goodness in others, mm. to, to merit goodness for others, to merit conversion, ultimately, for others. Right. One of the other saints I think of, not, not canonized yet, but very well could be, uh, Elizabeth Lazare, a, a French woman um, living in Paris in the 1800s, whose husband was 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 very anti-Catholic, and that made her life complicated in many ways. Mm-hmm. They had actually a very strong marriage, despite their disagreements in religion. Mm-hmm. But miraculously, um, she um, interceded for his conversion, even though that conversion only happened after her own death. Wow. It was largely through his experience of standing with her in suffering, and then reading her writings, especially after Mm. she died. Even this testimony that he left her, that she left her, that she left him, pardon me, Mm. um, saying, I know you will convert and become uh, a great instrument for the salvation of souls. Uh, and he did. In fact, he became a Dominican priest. Somewhat oh. exceptionally, at, a, at, a, at an advanced age, he became a Dominican priest, and and a lot of his ministry was actually talking about his wife's writings uh, and, and oh. kind of promoting her cause. Hmm. So it's a beautiful example of someone who didn't live to see her husband's conversion, but nonetheless hmm. really was the, um, the, you might say, the primary cooperator along with God in bringing it about. Uh, Wow, and how, do you, how would people find out about more about that story? There's a great uh, book that was just translated into English about the Lasers, uh, Elizabeth and Felix Lasser, and it is called, I think, Salt and Light is the mm. name of is the name of that uh, that that collection. It's a great little biography of the two of them, and uh, if you want to know more about them, their 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 last name is spelled L E S E U R. Okay. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's the, I mean, so many people resonate with uh, St. Monica and her son, St. Augustine. Yeah, and, 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 and the uh, Lesseurs or the, or the, or the Lesseurs. I mean, that's, that's a wonderful, because it gives hope, you know, to, to people that even might not live to see the conversion of, their, of the people they're praying for. So, so one way is to intercede for others, to, and to have a, another way is to just have a zeal for souls, like St. Dominic did, to want to, by our words and our actions, help them and influence them. Um, are there other ways in which we can, we can work for the salvation of others without becoming too, you know, in the proselytism or the manipulative uh, mm-hmm. extreme? Mm-hmm. It, it makes me think of the gospel uh, of the Lord saying, do not worry what you are to say, because it will mm. be given to you. you know? Right. Um, and I think it, you could read that gospel as saying, well, don't worry about being, you don't need to be prepared, because, you know, God will give you the words. Okay, yes. But what is the best preparation, ultimately? It's, it's, it's meditating on the Word of God, mm-hmm. um, because... Those are the words that are efficacious, that, that penetrate the soul. Mm. And if we have a habit of Lexio Divina, reading the scriptures every day, meditating on the scriptures, and not to say we need to read the whole Bible, uh, but to say we have our favorite passages, we've almost committed them to memory, and those will somewhat spontaneously come out in our conversation. Mm. I experienced that certainly as a priest. I know that that it's those words that will be spirit in life and consoling. And, uh, but to say them in a, word, in a way that's not artificial, in a way that really speaks to the heart, um, 
So I would say we can't underestimate the power of the scriptures, not just to inform, but to convert. Mm. And that is something we see a lot in St. Paul. You know, he often gives these laundry lists of moral exhortation, and it's not just a laundry list. And probably most of the people he was talking to already knew these things. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the people we're going to talk to already know Catholic moral teaching, for example. Nonetheless, to speak it to them in faith, especially with the Word of God, is a very powerful way uh, to move their heart. You know, it's like like if you go to the doctor and he tells you things you probably needed to know anyway, but you remember that conversation with a doctor. You know there's one other human being on the earth that knows Mm -hmm. precisely this point about your health. Yeah. And that that helps. If mm. so if that's true on the natural level, how much how much more when when mm. all of these encounters are infused with the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Right. Yeah, to stay to stay close to God with uh with regular prayer to to really have reflect on on his word and our heart, you know, as the saints did as our lady did, um so that it just naturally uh comes out when we're when we're speaking with people. How about when it comes to inviting other people? Like, you know, we are interceding for them or maybe even doing penances for them, maybe fasting for them. You know, how do we follow that line and, in, in, you know, that delicate balance in terms of like inviting people, you know, but not sort of like manipulating people? I think honestly, we need to take advantage just on a very practical level, what are the kinds of things we can invite people to? Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, we can invite people to do various things. We can tell them about the rosary, invite them to start praying the rosary. Mm -hmm. But when it comes, you know, our our faith is is social because we're social animals. Like Mm -hmm. the the church is not just an association of private individuals, right? Mm -hmm. That we come to God together. And that's true even at the local parish level, very much so. We gather together. And it's important to to have someone's conversion as as early as reasonably possible have that mm. that that uh, that community component mm. because that really will reinforce you know when you can meet normal people practicing the faith mm. it's the best witness even better than a really great preacher <laughs> right, right, <laughs> as i've right. as I've, I've come to realize there are certain things that people will only receive from their peers mm. uh, or from people like them uh, so I think, honestly, parishes could get a bit more creative about this, to have events other than Mass. Of course, it's great people to invite people to Mass, but we should recognize for someone that's not already Catholic, Mass can actually be a little bit stressful. Mm. There's a lot of synchronized motions, and then ultimately <laughs> there's communion, if they stay that long, in which they can't yet participate. And that right. might actually, as a first point of contact, may not be the best thing. So when parishes have events that don't involve necessarily the Mass, but are a kind of event that, you know, uh, where a seed can be planted, whether a, a parish mission or, or Vespers with some kind of um, music and, and a conference, or maybe, maybe it's a little primarily a social event that just mm-hmm. maybe, maybe doesn't even have a, a teaching or a, a preaching component. Uh, those are those are ways for that first point of contact, you know, to happen, and and some of the barrier to break down. Like maybe these Catholics aren't so weird all, after all. Uh, right. They're actually rather joyful. Um, yeah. I, that can be a, a great start. And I think Catholics should should more often be thinking about should be on the proactive side, mm-hmm. because most people probably have someone in their life who's who's in that 
that threshold state. You know, right. they're they're not Catholic, but they have religious questions, or maybe they've gone through a lot recently in their life, and they've been asking you questions because you're the Catholic they know, right. uh, or you're the most religious person they know. You listen to Catholic radio for goodness sakes, you know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they they seeing the magnet on your bumper. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so they think here's someone I can talk to about God. Um, so being proactive, uh, playing, playing offense, you know, mm-hmm. um, and saying, well, what if I invited them to this? What's the worst they're going to say? No. Okay. Exactly. We'll wait for the next event. Yeah. And I know some, some, uh, another, you know, another book, even if it's not a church, but you know, if you have a, a, a group like a, a book study or a Bible study or just like a, a cookout once in a while and you're as a group of other Catholics in a home, um, that can be a great way. I know, uh, some people in our parish that, uh, they just they just have like a fire pit, you know, in their backyard, and they invite people over, whether they're Catholic or non-Catholic, and they, you know, they they pray for each other, they talk about big questions, but it's kind of a very low threshold event, you know, to invite your neighbor across to the ne- to to the yard next to his to have a, you know, to just relax and and sit around the fire. That might be a lot easier to do than to drive all the way to a church that you've never been to before and. Exactly, exactly. My brother participates in a men's group in Kansas called Whiskey in the Word, and so I I think that speaks for itself. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Right. So these are all ways in which we can work for the salvation of others. Uh, We've talked about interceding for others like St. Monica or St. Dominic uh, or the the Sewers. Um, We've we've talked about... um, uh, by our own way of life, by our, our, our desire, our zeal for souls, um, by our own um, familiarity in a good way with, with the Word of God, you know, and, 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 and the life of prayer that, that makes the Word part of us, that, that helps inspire us, that opens the channels for God to work through us. Uh, and then just, you know, being proactive, inviting people in a gentle, friendly way, especially people that we think are on that verge of Maybe they're not religious, but they've got questions, they've got an interest, or they have asked questions to us. Invite them to something. You know, maybe not the first thing, invite them to Mass, but invite them to an event or even a get-together with other Catholics. Since since it's through other people, through their peers, that they might be more open to receiving the truth than, you know, even from the greatest of preachers. Thank you for joining us today for the Dominican Dimensions. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today I've been joined in the studio by my confrere, Father Raymond Snyder. Let's end with prayer invoking the intercession of our holy founder, St. Dominic. O light of the church, teacher, teacher of, of truth, rose of patience, ivory of chastity, freely you have poured forth the waters of wisdom. Preacher of grace, unite us with the blessed. Amen. Dominican Dimensions is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Dominican Dimensions and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com.